Welcome back. This is Kelly Gregg of kellygregg.com, and this is a podcast of the ebook Brain Disease and Fasting. You all will recall I make these podcasts to try to get you to buy my book Diet and Health, and in fact, this is essentially a chapter in the book Diet and Health. I do make some of these chapters into ebooks for those who would like to read it instead of listen to it. Let's see, the ebooks cost 99 cents, the paperback book cost about $20, so if you buy about 18 ebooks, you might as well go ahead and buy the paperback book Diet and Health and save a couple dollars. I will sprinkle a few diet-related diseases throughout the book. Of course, we have type 2 diabetes, prediabetes, and obesity, but I did talk a little bit about rheumatoid arthritis and use that as a model for autoimmune disease. In addition, I did make some mention of celiac disease. Now I am going to sprinkle a little brain matter into the conversation. Brain disorders of aging are now the leading causes of disability and death due to the numerous advances in the treatment of cardiovascular disease, joint replacement, and cancer. The risk factors for cardiovascular disease, type 2 diabetes, and cancer are the same as the risk factors for brain disease. These include a high-carbohydrate diet, poor nutrition, and a sedentary lifestyle. The brain disorders most well studied are Parkinson's disease and Alzheimer's. Many animal studies have been done because it's difficult to do a brain biopsy study on humans. We cannot accept everything about these studies as applying to humans, but we can use the information to make better speculation. Everyone now accepts there is an increased incidence of Parkinson's and type 2 diabetes. In a large population match study, type 2 diabetics had a 30% greater incidence of Parkinson's. Additionally, younger patients, those between 25 and 45, had a four times greater incidence if they had type 2 diabetes. If the type 2 diabetes had evidence of microvascular disease, that is damage to the kidney, eye, and nerves, the risk went higher. Microvascular disease would indicate a more advanced stage of type 2 diabetes. Parkinson's disease is a progressive neurodegenerative disorder mainly occurring in population over 65. It is caused by the degeneration of dopamine neurons in the brain and is characterized by tremor, rigidity, and slowness of movement. Dementia in the advanced stages. As we know, fasting induces a mild stress response in brain cells and as a result increases the activation of some compensating mechanisms. The main one of interest to us is BDMP, which stands for Brain-Derived Neurotropic Factor. In mammalian animals, this has been shown to increase the resistance of neurons in the brain to dysfunction and degeneration. Right now, we believe this applies to humans also. 
let us understand there is some treatment available to treat the symptoms of Parkinson's, but this does not prevent the advancement of the disease. It also appears as if ketone bodies, mainly beta-hydroxybutyrate, have a cytoprotective effect on the brain. This is convenient since fasting induces both ketosis and BDMP. You can think of BDMP as the growth hormone of the brain. Remember we talked about growth hormone earlier in the book. Stress to the heart can also increase it. It appears like many diseases, inflammation plays a part in the development of Parkinson's. Inflammation plays a part in most age-related diseases. It's a good thing fasting also reduces inflammation, perhaps through the action of ketone bodies. There have now been several studies demonstrating a relationship of Parkinson's with the gut biome and the different composition of the bacteria in the gut biome. Fecal short-chain fatty acids are reduced in Parkinson's disease. I talked about these earlier in the book, and I'm actually going to talk about them again later in the book. The reduction in these fatty acids are present in those with an altered gut microbiome. The reduction in these short-chain fatty acids may also contribute to gastrointestinal dysmobility in this disease. Up to 80% of Parkinson patients experience constipation and delayed gastric emptying years before motor symptoms. Let me add a short note. In many studies on mice, changes in the microbiome seem to have the opposite effect than it does in humans. For now, I am sticking with the human effect. Parkinson's in humans seems to be related to a deficit in short-chain fatty acids, and this in turn is related to changes in the gut microbiome. As I said in the gut microbiome chapter, we are discovering many relationships with the gut biome and disease. We are also discovering many relationships with the gut biome and our diet. There is a beneficial effect on fasting to the gut biome. It would not be a giant jump to think that fasting may actually help or prevent Parkinson's through its effect on this biome. In addition to ketosis and an elevated BDNP. Now, do you still think I am crazy trying to get you to fast at least 12 hours between dinner and breakfast? The common maintenance diet also includes a little fasting. Alzheimer's is characterized by an extracellular plaque of amyloid, which is a protein, and intracellular neurofibrillary tangles of the protein TAW. It is a relatively common progressive neurodegenerative disease affecting 1% of the population over age 64 and 5% of the population over 85. In animal studies, almost the same result is present in both Parkinson and Alzheimer's. The same mechanisms that are induced by stress produce the same productive effect. Many of these animal studies on the effect of fasting 
on the treatment or prevention of brain degeneration also study the effect of aging. That is not unusual, as most degenerative diseases are thought to be related to the aging process. So, if we can prevent aging, we may be able to help degenerative diseases. Virtually all studies show that a calorie-restricted diet or intermittent fasting extends the life of various species of mammals. You will recall that autophagy may prevent aging. Remember, ages are thought to be the cause of aging. Hyperglycemia itself causes microvascular damage and is toxic to organs, including the brain. Hyperglycemia not only causes inflammation in the brain, but also cognitive dysfunction. Although the brain does not need insulin to use glucose as an energy provider, insulin does interact with the receptors in the brain, and like other tissues, can become insulin resistant with continued high levels. These receptors control numerous other pathways unrelated to energy use, and high insulin may lead to neurodegeneration. So far, it seems to be a slam dunk. High insulin, bad for brain. High glucose, bad for brain. Intermittent metabolic stress, good for brain. Fasting, the way to get intermittent metabolic stress, good for brain. It may be good for aging, which makes it good for brain. Inflammation, bad for brain. Fasting, good for inflammation. Ketosis, good for the brain. As I mentioned earlier, historically, fasting has been used to increase mental acuity. The Greeks recognized this and encouraged fasting. Most religions recognize that fasting seems to provide greater religious insight. Starvation studies seem to indicate a clarity of thought and memory will increase with fasting. Although I don't believe all animal studies translate into humans, Fasting does seem to increase cognition, learning, and memory. I do not know if this is an effect of ghrelin or the switch to ketones as a main source of energy. Some believe it is the lowering of insulin levels that contribute to the effect. As I get older, I realize we will never be able to determine the exact reason as the brain is just too complex. We are relying on observation, just like the Greeks. We have observed there is an association between abnormal forms of amyloid protein and tau proteins in Alzheimer's disease. Taken altogether, it does seem like autophagy may be able to remove some of these abnormal proteins, just as it does every place else in the body. It also seems that elevated insulin levels may increase these proteins. The diagnosis of various dementias is also increasing in the modern era. Maybe you think this is due to just more old people, but the lifespan has barely increased compared to a few thousand years ago. I am fairly sure the level of insulin has increased and the amount of fasting has decreased compared to historical norms. There are now many studies examining the relationship of intermittent fasting to dementia. We need to go over the terms to clarify them. 
When I say fasting, I mean no caloric intake. Some of these studies considered fasting to be just a very reduced caloric intake. A very reduced caloric intake will result in a lower insulin level over time, as reduced calories generally also means reduced carbohydrates, but it does not increase autophagy. Autophagy may be the main protection from dementia, but this is over a lifetime. It is a preventive process. Nobody compares people on the maintenance diet, which does include a little fasting, to those who are not on this diet, as we do not have many on this diet for 30 years. We can look back in history at the diets which were more similar to our maintenance diet than anything in the last couple hundred years. We do not see the levels of dementia we see now. Of course, it is hard to compare diagnosis from 2,000 years ago to the present time, but there does not seem to be a plague of dementia in the past. By now you know about autophagy. What do you think? Would a lifetime of encouraging autophagy reduce the risk of dementia? I know it would reduce the incidence of type 2 diabetes and obesity, but I think it would independently reduce dementia also. By now, you know, my goal is to try to reduce these diseases. Actually, try to prevent these diseases. I believe my dietary advice goes a long way in doing this. The maintenance diet will not cure you of degenerative diseases, but it may slow the progression. If you would have started the diet 30 years ago, maybe we would not be talking about slowing the progression.